Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 146 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. It's February, still cold, still grey outside, but the days are lengthening and you can almost see the start of the new season. But wait, there's still jobs to do and bees to check. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. We're a month into the new year. Can you believe it? January is behind us, and we march onward into and through February and on to our busy spring start for the new beekeeping season. First up, though, more weather woes, yet more rain, can you believe? It's been unrelenting. And while researching this week's podcast, yes, I do put a little bit of effort into the podcast, these short and sweet monologues, as I like to call them. Anyway, while I was researching, I stumbled upon Candlemas Day. Good old Google. Candlemas Day falls on February the 2nd. And depending on your pagan or otherwise religious views, it celebrates a range of events. But for us beekeepers, it holds significance in that prior to satellite imagery and isobars and atmospheric pressure, there was a saying that goes something like this. If Candlemas Day is clear and bright, winter will have another bite. If Candlemas Day brings cloud and rain, winter is gone and won't come again. Well, I don't know about where you lovely folks live, but here in Norwich, we had grey skies and at times some fairly heavy rain on February the 2nd. So, it's official. No more wintry weather and I can start queen rearing probably in a week or two. Seriously though, It would be nice if we don't get any significant cold weather events from now through to the start of the season. Although I do like to think that when we do get an icy blast, it kills off a few more bugs that would otherwise survive and trouble our bees. I guess us beekeepers are never really happy, are we? We want a nice cold spell, but not too long. And if you could please keep the roads clear and not waterlog the tracks to my apiaries, that would be very nice too. I'm not too sure if I hold to the old saying. I do tend to rely more on science than science fiction. That said, I've been listening to a brilliant series of books. I know I digress, but anyway, a brilliant series of books by a writer called Tad Williams. The books are a trilogy called Memory, Sorrow and Thorn. And if you enjoyed Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings and such... I'm sure you'll absolutely love these books. Anyway, back to the weather. Still cold and grey outside. And snow showers predicted for me here over the weekend. I'm not sure what happened to that rhyme, really. Just a week or two ago, predictions for a late repeat of the beast from the east were around as well. So we'll have to see if winter is gone and won't come again. Just in case you missed the slight tongue-in-cheek comment, no... I won't actually be queen rearing in a couple of weeks, so please don't start queen rearing for yourselves. Not just yet, anyway. What I will be doing 
is continuing with the preparations for the coming season. I have to say, things are looking quite calm above the surface. The unit here in Norwich is full to the ceiling with boxes full of frames ready to go out to the apiaries. To be honest, a lot of them were left over from last year and we never actually got them onto the colonies, but I like to convince myself that I've been working really hard to prepare for the new season. I do have a couple of pallets of honeypore hives to build, but the beauty of these poly hives is they just glue and push together. I actually pushed one together yesterday and I even considered whether it was in fact necessary to glue them all together. Such was the perfect fit of the joints. I am going to glue them together before you send me your comments. Better to be safe than sorry, I say, and believe it or not, but I actually think it's a task that I'm quite capable of doing myself. Then, of course, they'll need painting. I have a socially distanced team already, and of course, we have the spray gun, which will make the whole task super quick and a little more fun for whoever gets the short straw for painting. That is, of course, as long as we're able to, with the whole Covid situation and taking the lockdown as seriously as we can. It actually hit home personally late last night when I got a message from my sister saying that my brother-in-law had been taken into hospital with a positive test result. People, we really have got to take good care of ourselves and each other. Of course, for most beekeepers, it's not a huge problem in terms of preparations for the new season. We're generally a self-isolating bunch anyway, which is why being able to chat with you all via the podcast, social media and Patreon is so very good. Do keep the comments coming and if you have any issues, drop me a direct message or get in touch via my website, norfolk-honey.co.uk. If you're only running a couple of hives, I suspect you're all over your preparations for the new season, but there are still things to look out for. Have you actually got enough kit for the coming season based on your plans for how you want the season to pan out for you? Remember, foundation can always be in short supply, particularly at the various times that we need it during the season. Do you have enough? Is your bee suit in good repair? No holes for sneaky little workers to squeeze through. Oh, I have so much still to do. If you're a beginner beekeeper and this is your first overwinter period with your bees, stay calm, feed fondant and be patient. If you need fondant, get yourself over to my website and check out the Zucan range. My bees love it, especially the Apipasta fondant with the added vitamins. I know you can make up your own fondant, but this stuff has been specifically prepared to give the bees the very best support through the winter and into the spring. There's a link in the podcast notes, of course. Go take a look. If you're only just starting out in beekeeping this year, congratulations. It's going to be so exciting for you. To help you, this year for the first time, I'm looking at running a season-long series of Zoom meetings designed just for first-time beekeepers. If you're getting your first beehive and bees this year, then this is the very best place to get advice. Places will be limited, so do look out for more details in the next few weeks. For anyone yet to order bees for this year, time is running out. Bees are likely to be in short supply, given the current ban on the importation of bees from the EU other than Queen's. 
The situation may well change, but currently it's queens only, as I understand it. For those of you unfamiliar with buying bees from online retailers, it tends to be that they buy in what's called a package of bees, either with or without a queen. These are usually around one and a half kilos in weight and are enough bees to get a nucleus colony up and running quite quickly. The best thing to do is to ask where the bees are coming from, and if you can, buy an overwintered nucleus of bees. These will be much stronger and will gallop away in the spring. If in any doubt about what to expect, do take a look at the National Bee Unit's Buying Bees fact sheet. February is a calm month generally for us. Although that doesn't mean there's less work, things are not do-it-today urgent. That happens from late March onwards, but for now it's jobs, well, that need attention, but that won't result in colonies swarming. It is a month where urgency is required in terms of checking and feeding some colonies though. Again, for the beginners out there, when I say checking, I don't mean inspecting. Simply hefting the hive, that's to say lifting the back of the hive and testing the weight, feeling for any that are really light or perhaps counterintuitively really heavy. It could be a sign that they've eaten all their stools and need some fondant or that they aren't able to get to the food and are starving in the case of the really heavy ones. These hives need a little more investigating and detective work, but it's not a job that can be left. It needs a quick check regularly through the winter. And what's not to enjoy about having a drive around the apiaries and getting a little fresh air? That is, as long as you can dodge the rain or snow. If you do find any colonies that are dead, they need to be dealt with immediately. If nothing else, block the entrance so other bees can't get in to rob it. I know this may seem like a waste of food stores with other colonies potentially benefiting from food that's now available in an otherwise empty hive, but the risks of disease transmission are too great. It might not be that the dead hive has anything wrong with it, but if several other hives find it, there will be a mass rush to get at the stores and you'll have workers from different colonies mixing in close proximity to each other, potentially passing on pests and disease. It's just not worth it. Get it cleared away at the earliest opportunity and cleaned out as quickly as you can. Otherwise, you'll end up with exactly what I discovered with Pete this week, a box full of wax moth and not much else. They'd made so much damage that they'd eaten completely through the box and left it looking like a Swiss cheese. This is one of the few issues with polyhives compared to wooden ones, but it is my fault. I have to get into these boxes immediately and clean them out. Then there wouldn't be this issue. Talking of issues and changing the subject for a moment, I'm reminded of an unusual problem that I had this week, namely water in my truck. I could hear a sloshing sound and for a couple of days I thought I must have left a bottle of water or something in the cab under the seat. Having emptied and cleaned out the cab, the noise remained and it was a real puzzle. I was on the point of taking it to the local garage and thought perhaps, well, I could have one last check to see what on earth was going on underneath. Remember, I don't have the best of hearing, so I started to think I was imagining things. I clambered under the side of the truck and was shining the torch at the underside of the chassis and all those other bits that you can see under a truck 
things that still remain a mystery to me. Anyway, as I was searching, a drip of water hit my face and I realised it was coming from the underside of the cab body and the outer side. The water seemed to be inside, I guess it's the sill section. Now Ford obviously knew this to be a problem in the range of pickups because what I then noticed was a little rubber plug pushed into the underside of the sill. I grabbed my pliers and gave it a yank and it was like turning on the tap. Water poured out. I then spotted another bung further along the same sill. I pulled that out and yet more water poured out. Now I wouldn't go as far to say I can call myself a mechanic now, but I was quite pleased with myself for working out the problem and fixing it, if only for the immediate issue. I now have a sill with two holes in it and a damp interior that needs sorting. I can imagine the rust is going to take hold very quickly, so I need to get a treatment of some sorts inside it to stop it from going too far. These little challenges crop up from time to time and it was great to be able to work it out this time round. I know it's not beekeeping, but it was quite interesting, I have to say. Oh, and I've also discovered a small stone chip in the bottom of my windscreen that's now turned into a crack and is working its way up into the main part of the screen. Something else to attend to in the spring before that becomes a major problem and causes an accident or something. If you're taking part in any association Zoom meetings currently, particularly here in the UK, you may find me on the speaker list. I've got a few presentations coming up, which I'm really looking forward to. I like to prepare the talks for each individual event, so I'm not recycling old content. Some of the pictures may have to be reused occasionally, but those are few and far between. One of the advantages of being on social media is we're in a habit of taking pictures to share whatever we're up to. I'm not sure I'll have any spare time once the season gets going, but it's always nice to chat with beekeepers from around the UK at these Zoom meetings. The other fun session we had last week was the microscopy session which we filmed and popped on Patreon. I was amazed to see just how well some hazel pollen from a couple of years ago had held up and during my visit to Brunel Microscopes at that time, I gathered up some pine pollen as well which took staining really well and produced some excellent images. If you haven't tried microscopy as yet, I would certainly recommend it. The images of the pollen in particular are simply stunning. So, just to recap for this week, get out and check your hives. No inspections, just hefting, and add fondant where you feel they might need it. Add it anyway if you're feeling a little nervous and you'll sleep better at night. Remove any dead colonies and get them cleaned up so you can reuse the equipment with confidence and know you've done all you can to reduce the spread of disease. And if you can't move it immediately, get the entrance blocked up. Finally, if you hear sloshing noises in or around your car, either check your sill for water ingress or look out of the window. Your sat-nav might have taken you down the wrong turning and you're floating in a river. Well, that's all the wise words from me this week. Fondant is, of course, available from my website and all links to the interesting parts of today will be available in the podcast notes. I'll be with you again next week. But for now, I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet.